Welcome to As the Season Turns, the podcast following each month of the year. As the hedgerows change, the full moons come and go, and nature takes its course in the garden. I'm Leah Lander, a nature writer and author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide. This podcast is brought to you by Fern, makers of small-batch organic natural perfume, who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to what to look for in the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you, in the words of the poet Ray Carver, settle deeper into the seasons. Well, March is pretty exciting. I think somewhere in my heart I resign myself to winter going on forever, and every year March manages to take me by surprise. It's the pace of it that's shocking. It can start off pretty wintry. Well, let's not fool ourselves, it can end pretty wintry too. But during the course of it, we will have passed several massive milestones. The first is on the first, the start of meteorological spring, which feels good. The most important milestone, though, is the vernal or spring equinox on the 20th. We will then be into the light half of the year, with more light than dark right through till September. We also have the clocks going forward on the 28th, which feels like a great turbo boost to springtime. Suddenly that creeping sense of ever-increasing light is thrown a full hour. I won't get too carried away yet. The weather in early spring is notoriously fickle and changeable, but in a way it doesn't matter. The birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees are led far more by light levels than they are by temperature, and those will continue to increase no matter what else happens. Whether it feels like spring or not, no longer matters. It just is. The naming of March. Mart in Scots Gaelic. Merch in Scots and Ulster Scots. Marta in Irish Gaelic. Mernt in Manx. Marth in Welsh. Mirth in Cornish. And Mar in Gerier. This month there is almost universal agreement between the languages of the British Isles on the name of the month. All hark back to Martius, the first month of the Roman calendar, which itself comes from Mars, the Roman god of war and of agriculture, this being his month. March's position as the first month of the year was widespread, and the 25th of March was considered the first day of the year in England until 1752. The Welsh Romany name for March is Bavaliacero, Month of the Winds. The hedgerow starts to wake up this month. Muntjac deer may browse and nibble on the new green hedge growth and the lemony sorrel at the base. Pussy willow catkins burst open and clouds of blackthorn blossom appear, its flowers white with long yellow stamens against the still bare spiky black stems. Peacock, small tortoiseshell and comma butterflies emerge and feed on the pollen, along with queen white-tailed bumblebees just out of hibernation. Hedgehogs are also waking up to shuffle between the clumps of wild daffodils, searching for slugs on which to fatten themselves up. This is actually a really good time to make a hedgehog feeding box, a feeding station in your own garden, just in case there happens to be a hedgehog around because they'll be so hungry after their hibernation. So take a plastic storage box, tip it upside down, 
and cut a hole in the side about 12 to 15 centimeters and then line that with some duct tape to smooth off the edges. And then inside that you put a bowl of water and a bowl of a meat-based cat food at the far end so that cats don't get in and eat it. And that will help them to recover after their winter hibernation. The spring usher, the early moth and the march moth might be seen in the evenings. And bats, which have been in a state of dormancy all winter and have now reached the end of their fat reserves, start to make short, flitting flights around the hedgerows in search of the moths. New life is emerging as the weather is at its most unpredictable. And the shelter the hedgerow provides is crucial. For many birds, this is, of course, nest-building time. Female blackbirds build their sturdy nests low down in the hedgerow, while female robins build a dome-shaped nest from grass, leaves and moss, on which they lay their first batch of pale, speckled eggs. Wrens do things a little differently. The male builds a succession of nests and invites the female to choose one, which she then lines with feathers. Pairs of song thrushes build their nests together from dry grass and leaves, lining the insides with mud. Linnets are building their nests too, cup-shaped and lined with moss and feathers. Grey partridges scrape indentations in the ground at the base of the hedgerow and line it with leaves and grasses ready to hold their precious eggs. There can only be one flower of the month this month, and that's the daffodil. Its Latin name is Narcissus, named after the mythological character Narcissus. Its common names, Narcissus, Jonquil, Easter Lily, Lent Lily, and my favourite, Daffodowndilly. Narcissus was the beautiful and vain hunter who, stumbling across a still pool, fell in love with his own reflection and then wasted away gazing at himself. Daffodils were given the name Narcissus because of their downward nodding habit, but it really seems unfair to these jolly, bold and straightforward flowers to have been saddled to such a nincompoop. If anything, their movement is far more like over-enthusiastic waving than it is self-involved navel-gazing. The daffodils become the second emblem of St David's Day, which falls on the 1st of March, the first being the leek, as St David advised the Britons to wear leeks in their caps so that they could tell friend from foe in battle. The Welsh for leek and the Welsh for daffodil are kind of similar, so confusion between the two is one possible explanation for the dual emblems. Victorian sensibilities are another possibility. Pinning a leek to your coat was felt a little uncouth, and so pretty daffs were substituted. Wales does have its very own daffodil in the form of the diminutive and bright yellow tenby daffodil, Narcissus obvalaris, which mainly grows in South Wales. Daffodils are among the simplest flowers to grow. The only tricks are getting their bulbs into the ground good and early in autumn, around September is best, and then letting their leaves die down of their own accord after flowering. The full moon falls on the 28th this month, and there are several names for March's full moon. 
Plough Moon, Wind Moon, Lenten Moon and Chaste Moon. Throughout the year we'll see a series of moon names that reference big seasonal jobs and the Plough Moon is the first of these. It perhaps suggests that the light of the full moon allowed people to carry on ploughing well into the evening. Farming and gardening begin in earnest this month, often in gusty conditions, as the name Wind Moon suggests. The name Lenten Moon for March's full moon on the 9th partially reflects the fact that we are now mid-Lent, and the Celtic name Chaste Moon may also allude to Lent's constraints. But the word itself originates in the Old English word Lengton, which means spring, and is in reference to the lengthening days, which are hard to ignore as this month we reach the equinox, when day and night are finally the same length. On the 19th, there'll be a close approach of Mars and the Moon, visible in the dusk from around 6.30pm in the southwest, at an altitude of 52 degrees. It will set in the northwest at around half past midnight on the 20th. The vernal equinox, or spring equinox, falls on the 20th of March. The equinox is understood by most of us to be the moment when day and night are the same length, briefly, before light triumphs over dark. The word equi is Latin for equal, and nox for night. However, the actual moment of equinox is the moment when the sun is directly overhead at the equator, and that will be at 9.37 in the morning on the day of the 20th of March. During the course of March, day length increases by 2 hours and 28 minutes to 13 hours and 4 minutes in Inverness, and by 1 hour and 54 minutes to 12 hours 50 minutes in Padstow. The spring tides are the most extreme tides of the month, with the highest rises and falls. They always fall a couple of days after the full moon and after the new moon. This month, they will fall on the 2nd and 3rd, the 15th and 16th, and around the 31st and the 1st of April. Buick swans are migrating this month. While we mostly see returnees at this time of year, creatures that have spent winter somewhere warmer, the hardy and elegant Buick swans are about to leave us. These are the smallest swans that visit our islands, the adults pure white with a yellow and black bill, and the juveniles grey with a soft pink bill. Their call is gentle and musical, markedly different from the comedy honk of the hooper swans. Buick swans use their voices often, making a range of different noises for different purposes. Pre-flight, while flying, to locate each other, to threaten, to mark out territory, and undoubtedly much more. There are three distinct groups of Buick swans, and those that overwinter in the United Kingdom and Ireland are the Northwest European population, which in summer breed on moss-lichen tundra near shallow pools and lakes to the west of the Ural Mountains in the Russian Arctic. Cold, yes, but relatively predator-free and with almost constant daylight for foraging. But winter there is a different matter. In comparison with the Arctic, our winter weather is a luxury. They overwinter on our freshwater wetlands, reed beds, wet grasslands, fens and bogs, 
and frequent farmland by day to pick over the leavings of last year's crops, feasting on sugar beet, potatoes and wheat stubble before returning to the water to roost at night. Buick swans mate for life. One pair has returned to Slimbridge Wetland Centre in Gloucestershire every year for 19 years, bringing 29 cygnets. They travel in family groups, teaching the cygnets the route, and if separated, will seek each other out and perform a joyful dance on reuniting. Extended family groups of parents, siblings and even grandchildren will honk joyfully when they find themselves together. Now that winter is over, it is time for them to group together and head off to their breeding grounds. It is a long and treacherous journey of up to 5,600 kilometres, with hunters, power lions and predators to avoid. Hopefully it will be a successful one this year, and the Buicks families will be reunited again next winter. From Derry we sailed away on the 23rd of May We were boarded by a pleasant crew Bound for America Fresh water Here's a song for St. Patrick's Day, which falls on the 17th of March. It's called Paddy's Green Shamrock Shore. Many Irish folk songs are about leaving Ireland and then longing for it, sometimes by enforced transportation at the hands of the harsh British penal system, sometimes economic emigration across the Atlantic to escape poverty and famine. This song is in the latter tradition, but is one of the more jolly examples. Everyone arrives safe and excited to seek their fortune. If it weren't for the longing for sweet Liza and those shamrock-coloured shores, this could almost count as a happy ending. We safely reached the other side after fifteen and twenty days. We were taken as passengers by a man and led round in six different ways. We each of us drank a parting glass in case we'd meet no more. And we drank our health to old Ireland and Paddy's green shamrock shore. March Garden Meditation Though the weather is still cold, and the trees are still almost bare. There is so much happening in the garden that five minutes of reflection will reveal. Not least of these is the light. There is indeed a grand stretch in the evenings, and so dusk would be a good time to stand outside and feel the difference. Think about the equinox, the equality of night and day, and about the fact that the spot where you are standing on earth is gradually tilting back towards the sun. The birds feel it too, and this month they start to warm up for the great crescendo of the dawn chorus in April and May. Early evening is a good time to hear blackbirds and robins testing their little lungs. As March is a breezy month, you may find yourself being buffeted by the wind. 
Don't resent it. It's only for five minutes. Instead, close your eyes and feel how it swirls around you and plays with your hair. Look to the delicate fuzz of green that is starting to appear on the trees and think about the sap flowing up those gnarled and toughened trunks. It is waking them up from their winter slumber, bringing the tips to green light so that they can unfold and tilt themselves towards the sun's ever-increasing energy. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2021, available in all good bookshops. This podcast has been brought to you by Fern. Fern is a natural fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.